Hey everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind, the podcast devoted to entertainment from the 80s and beyond. Uh, we are in the last segment, literally the last chunk of 1989. We're discussing a handful of films, well, more than a handful. I'm your host, Michael, and Jacob's on the other side with me. Hello, everybody! All right, so we're ending the decade. I plan on not ever, ever looking back. <laughs> I really do believe that 80s nostalgia uh, finally is tapering. It's, it's taken longer than I expected. Um... And, and we're finally starting to get to 90s nostalgia. I mean, look, they just announced that 90s show. And I knew the minute that was announced, when 90s nostalgia was going to kick in effect, it's time for the podcast. So I timed it pretty well. <laughs> well, yeah, no, of course. I, wait, when did they announce that? Uh, two days ago. Oh, wow. I, I'm sorry. I've been I, I've been working a lot. Yeah, I've you have. Boring. That's why <laughs> if, you are, if you are a regular listener of the show, you'll notice that there's a long gap between the last segment of 1989. I think it's been a month. Yeah, no, wow. You've been working your ass off. So I said that we were going to end the year now like we're gonna we weren't gonna record any more new uh you know long uh episodes uh, until the new year but i we can kind of string 1990 along it's just not going to be done in one month like we before it's probably going to take the because you work overtime when you're beat and i work retail where it's really exhausting so um 1990 will be where we will start with that for sure all right so there is a list of movies that we had we we're going through in 1989 we couldn't do everything that we wanted to because like i said we didn't have time but there's one obvious glaring uh forgotten film that i didn't even mention to jacob um it's the burbs and i was watching it today and we're discussing it and i was like oh shit we should talk about this movie especially since it's perfect because it's almost oh absolutely i know and it is it is not exactly it's definitely more comedy for sure yes so i'm like one or two horror bit like it knows which direction right this is by joe dante yes okay yeah um again yeah this is like Again, Tom Hanks, uh, Rick Dukeman. Oh my God, they were a great pair. Rick Dukeman in particular. I, I swear to me, he he steals every scene. Yeah, and this is really his only major role. He was always a stand-up comedian for the most part, and a character bit actor. Um, but this is his one big performance, and it's memorable as hell. Oh God, yes. I mean, just again, your stereotypical suburban neighbor who's like always watching out, making sure what's going on in the neighborhood. And of course, Tom Hanks is just the easygoing guy. Like, hey, man, it's no big deal. But of course, they end up getting these new neighbors, and yeah, no, Rick Dukeman slowly but surely ends up being right. And then, right. of course, you got uh, supporting actors like uh, Bruce Dern and Carrie Fisher, and oh gosh, who played Dirk, uh, Bruce Dern's wife? Uh, Wendy Shaw. Oh my. And uh, we have Corey Feldman. Yes, Corey. Oh man. Maybe this his last like... major role. I mean, I know he did a couple studio films after this, but this is like the last. Like everybody knows, he still got a chance. A young actor after that, it seemed like a couple gimmies, like with um, Bordello of Blood. And... Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because I don't think he was in anything uh, big uh, ever since, except for Ninja Turtles. He voiced. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that kind of counts as voice acting, but he's not on screen. The, the you know in their face because I think it's right as Burbs was ending uh filming is when he got busted and even carrie said on set he goes i know exactly what you're going through i went through this i mean drugs you yourself up and and he did get busted but if you watch the biography about it it was one of these situations where it was i think if i remember correctly it was old cocaine that had just still been his car and he had forgotten about um and the cops found it and that's when he got busted and that's what ruined his career but he got cleaned up real fast uh and not a lot of people know this but brian james character actor villain extraordinaire brian james uh it was his um what do you call that sponsor 
and uh, helped him clean up, and he stayed clean up, unlike, sadly, not stop at the very end when he did clean himself up, but his body was so broken that pneumonia killed him. I don't want to get on a sad note here, but Corey Feldman only stumbled for a little bit, and no one really ever gave him a chance. I think he's a great actor. The problem is, I think the last couple of decades have kind of fried him. And I think he has a lot of yes men around him telling him that this is okay. He needs to stop them. It does not. Yes, worked. please. Yes, please. Oh, God. Even Howard Stern said that. I mean, yeah. dude. <laughs> but yeah, no. Again, this movie, I just love how it just plays out and, again, sticks to its direction. You know, starts off very, like, kind of suspenseful but comedic. Yeah. It's, especially it's, when. It's uh, a murder mystery. Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. Especially, oh no, the zoom in, the zoom in uh, moment when they realize <laughs> the that femur. Femur, they think it was their neighbor, and <laughs> they're both just screaming and shouting. <laughs> This is the last time I think that he was really, really funny. Tom Hanks, I mean, he does a few more comedies after this, obviously, like You've Got Mail, and he's kind of funny in uh, uh, League of Their Own. But this is his, like, the 80s, he was kind of a wild and crazy actor, and I love this era. And yes, for somebody, he just absolutely. stopped. But I will say this, I just watched News of the World. Have you seen this yet? New, no. It's the one it that is... came out at Christmas. Technically, it came out at Christmas, so it's a last year movie, but it didn't get really released uh, until early January. It did not make any money. It is his best performance ever. Maybe it is definitely a top three. Uh, as, and as much as I enjoy his drama stuff, like lighthearted, goofy stuff, like everybody loved it when he was David S. Pumpkins. We need more of that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. No, I definitely missed that part about it. But as far as like, uh, like you can never go wrong. Yeah, it, it's very, it's extremely rare. I, but I, I, I'm almost certain. Do you know the part at the very end when he's flipping out and he picks up the uh, the bed, the hospital bed, or what it's called? <laughs> Um, and throws it into the ambulance and then jumps on it. I swear he improv that. That's just so ridiculous. It was. I'm like, dude, I wouldn't be surprised if you get, like, off camera, you see Rick Dukeman, like, or even Carrie Fisher herself, like, trying hard not to laugh. Yeah. Now, (laughs) you you don't have this Blu-ray, correct, from Shout Factory? No, I don't. Okay, you need to go pick it up because the Blu-ray that we have had for years from Universal Studios is kind of minimal with its special. This thing is the gills. It has the alternate. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, who played the villain again? Who played the? Uh, okay, so we have Henry Gibson um, yes. as the doctor, and then his weirdo brother was us, like this weird comedic. But he played it always straight. He was always on David Letterman, causing him headaches. His name was Brother George, I want to say. Yes, that's who. It was. Is that right? I feel like that's not right. Yeah, brother- you some more on you. Yeah, um, but you go watch some of his clips with David Letterman and watch the bewilderment. Uh, and it's one of the only times that Le- uh, Letterman is out of his element. It's fucking. Oh, uh, and then Courtney well, uh, Gaines is yes. uh, the young German boy who, who looks like he's ready to werewolf out. <laughs> oh, God, I know. Like, looking at his mutton chops? Yeah, most definitely. I feel like he was a wolf hybrid of some sort. I, I don't know if I've ever seen a pretzel and a sardine trying to be... And you know it's real. You watch him eat. Oh, fucking disgusting. And he starts choking. Goddamn funny. And Joe Dante... Um, I, for the longest time I said it was John Carpenter and then it was Walter Hill and it was kind of between the two about my favorite director as I've gotten older I believe Joe Dante oh seriously it, it was hard to go wrong think about it, it. A- it's, you got Piranha um, Howling Gremlins uh, um, Explorers Inner Space The Burbs Gremlins 2 I feel like I'm missing something there. Uh, Matinee, Small Soldiers Looney Tunes back in action his last two were okay but they were more direct video The Hole is a lot better than people. I don't know if you've ever seen the whole or even heard of it. Um, no, I haven't. Oh, God, it's so much fun. It's, it's a little bit of a, like, A, it's a greatest hits collection of what Joe Dante does, but it's about these two kids that move to a new town, and uh, they find in their garage there's locked up 
thing, like in the floorboard. And they open it up and it to like hell where it taps into your greatest fears. It's a really good. That does sound, that does sound awfully familiar. Is that, was that with Steven Dorff as a kid? No, that's the gate. You're thinking of that. That was from 1987. Oh, this okay. one's from like 2013. Okay, now I gotcha. Yeah, but The Burbs is phenomenal. It's one of uh, Dante's last hits because as much as many people have seen Gremlins 2, that movie didn't do very well. It, that, in fact, lost money and Small Soldiers only broke even. So this is his last technic successful. Mm, and it is a damn shame. That's a bummer. Um, What is our next film? Do you want to hop uh, into the, the other Tom Hanks? Uh, yeah, well, we might as well, yes. Let's go right ahead. Let's go to Turner and Hoos. Now, have you seen the show at all? Is it similar? No, I have not been able to watch it. Uh, that's the one with, um, oh, gosh. gosh something. Yes, he, I know, he was a, Nickel, he was a Nickelodeon kid. Uh, uh, um, yeah, it's, uh, I was actually lived where Turner and Hooch was filmed. I lived in Monterey and, uh, Pacific Grove. Oh, wow. So it's, it's so funny. You literally see the library that my sister and I worked at in one of the sequences. Um, <laughs> So it's kind of it was kind of fun. Oh, speaking of familiar locations, uh, the neighborhood in the Burbs is one of those famous locations you saw all the time. In the it was a Warner Brothers back lot. Uh, the downtown of that back lot is where they shot Gremlins, uh, Monster Squad, and uh, Back to the Future, and um, I think a few amazing stories. You actually hear a clip. I swear to God, you hear a clip from Monster Squad, uh, the score of Monster Squad in the Burbs. Oh yeah, I wouldn't be surprised because I know like uh, you know. When Tom Hanks is in the hospital and he's fighting, uh, when he's yeah, in the so, ambulance, that 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 right there is the clip from Monsters. Yeah, and I also want to feel. I thought that I thought that was from Gremlins too, or did they put it in Gremlins too? I don't know. Jerry Goldsmith, I believe, did the music for both of those, but there is a da na 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 na, which is exactly. from the is from uh, Bruce Broughton's uh, score of Monster Squad. I don't know how that happened, but it happens. Yeah, I know. Still, I mean, it, it over. It works. It still works. Um, that suspense. So 89 is the, and this happens all the time, is when two very similar movies open up close together in, uh, I think the last week of April, the first week of May is when we got K-9, and that was a big hit. Uh, then Turner and Hooch opens up in July, which I saw in theaters as a double feature with Batman. And uh, I still believe Turner and Hooch is a better movie than K-9. Um, I think it does a much more performance from everybody. I think it's our cast. Um, it's a more complicated myth um, where I, I think K-9 kind of has its on its on its sleeve and kind of see where it's going. Um, mm -hmm. And it really is it's a very funny movie, but there's also a serious at the same time. Oh, exactly. Yeah, that it does kind of balance itself out. Oh, God. And that ending hit harder. Oh, yeah. Damn it. You know, because a little surprise. Oh, look, baby hooch. Yeah. There was a TV series of Turn and Hooch, which you, I'm almost certain, did back in 91, I want to say. Nope. Definitely did. Uh, Biff, Thomas F. Wilson from Back to the Future played Tom Hanks. And I think it only lasted six episodes. It was like a summer series. Oh, okay. So it was a quick one. Yeah. A quick run. Um, and they had like a bunch of these. There was Puchinsk, which uh, was a pilot <laughs> with uh, Peter Boyle playing a puppet dog that talked, which was a horrifying nightmare. Um, there was K-9000, which Wikipedia says is a spinoff of K-9, and it is a cannot. It, it has cybernetic parts in it, so it's like a futuristic, so no, there's not K-9. Um, and no, then there was, no, uh, Tequila and Bonetti, which is clearly the exact same concept <laughs> as both of those. And, uh, yeah, so for some reason, Cops and Dogs. Oh, and there was that Top Dog movie with, uh, Chuck Norris. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Of course, Chuck Norris. It's like let's see, let's see what the dogs get. Yeah. Like kids like Chuck Norris. Um, but there is a kind of a parody of that in Last Action Hero, where it's like 
oh, they've teamed up with everything except a cartoon character. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, you got it. Um, but uh, what do you prefer of the two, Turner and Hooch or K-9? Yeah, I definitely would go more with Turner. It's He's having so much fun with uh, Tom Hanks, and he feels authentic. There's something kind of douchebaggy in all of his roles because he thinks, and that makes him... I definitely have to agree with you on that one. The K-9, he was definitely sure of himself, and he knew what he was onto, and... Yeah, no, it even, like, kind of, you know, echoed, like, throughout the screen. Like, his girlfriend couldn't stand him. She was always late because he was so, um, you know, again, like Tom Hanks, they were uh, workaholics. They were serious and always on the job. And, uh, as you said, it's like, it's more, k was more on the sleeve, like, you can already tell. Uh, Turner and Hooch was definitely, like, a big of a mystery. Like, oh, shit, Craig T. Nelson? This yeah, yeah, that boss. was that was a shocker. Um, But I do like Jerry Lee. A little bit more than him. Mostly because he doesn't slobber all over the place. And whoever trained that dog, it's a great dog act. Oh, of course. And it it, German Shepherds are really good dogs. I actually prefer them, whatever. Yeah, it's uh, and there's a lot of improv. But clearly, there's something that Jim Belushi has, chemistry-wise, with a dog. They play off each other so well. But I just, whenever he's not with that dog, it's kind of... Pretty much, yeah. No, now that you mention that... But I do have to say this about Turner and Hooch, this last thing. Oh, my God. When that dog made a mess in the house, even my OCD was going, fuck, no. I, no. Are you are you no. telling me this is the first reveal? You have OCD, too? Somewhat. A little Actually, bit, I yeah. didn't. I never talked about it. So, you know, it's, it kind of runs in my family. I have anxiety. I've been taking Prozac, which has been great. But I didn't know this. I, for my entire life, get, like, little snippets of songs in my head. I'm t- sometimes talking, like, a two-second loop sometimes. And they'll get stuck in my head over and over and over and over and over until I almost went insane. After play. But it's a new song almost every single day. And some, I, apparently that is, uh, so, what song is it? Santa, it's a Christmas song. Santa Baby. By oh Christmas. my gosh. That's one song. That would make me insane. That would make me kind of homicidal. I would, I would turn to Silent Night, Deadly Night. <laughs> Hold on, wait, wait, wait. Let me play Psycho Kill My Talkies now. <laughs> Yeah, I've had Ozzy stuck in my head for the last few hours. Well, that's not a bad thing. I mean, it is, but it's the same loop. It's a see you, I see you on the other side. Over and over and over. Uh, and over. I had one, I can't remember, Duck, Duck Sauce, I think, is the Barbara Streisand song. Where it was, wee, 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 wee. Over and over. Duck sauce. Okay, now that makes me that makes me want. <laughs> now let me All right, so we've discussed Canine and Turner and Hooch. We both prefer Turner and Hooch. Um, Canine was very successful, though. In fact, I think it made almost as much as Turner and Hooch, and it spawned uh, two directed videos I've never Ooh. seen, but I've heard. Of. Yeah, it's best to. All right, what's the next film? This one was a surprise. Yes, directed by it's directed by Danny v, uh, Danny DeVito, and it was just so well done, but. I'm like, I could, there are times where I couldn't tell. It was like, well, actually, yeah, it's just overall re- a really dark comedy. War of the Roses. Yeah, the first half, I say, kind of drags. But you kind of need to set up the relationship and everything. And it's a narration from Danny DeVito telling someone else about this couple. And it's like, it starts off as such a beautiful marriage. Everyone's working out. Yeah. They got kids. They got the amazing house. Great cars. And then there's a breaking. And then it turns into war. <laughs> Which is An absolute fucking war like holy <laughs> and the second half is the best part of this movie it is so tremendous hell even when, uh you know, the concept you would see in you know real grounded dramas regarding divorce like marriage story but this definitely takes it to a bit of a looney tune yes oh the- gosh with the whole oh my especially at the very end when i'll get to that in just a minute okay. but there's one part in particular where she finds out she thinks uh, michael douglas thinks he's having a heart attack and when she's on her way to the hospital, and then he asks her, why Why weren't you there? She's like, I was. I'm like, I didn't have you. And then she was kind of relieved about it. I'm like, holy shit. 
that shit can actually happen. Yeah. It's or, brutal. Or the accidental killing of the cat. I mean, that was just purely an accident, but that turns into a mess thing. It's just, it's about very petty, uh, very shallow people should not be there. And <laughs> this, it keeps building and building and building and building. So there's comic effects where there's a huge stunt scene, the staircase here. And normally a movie like this should collapse. Um, under the weight of its ridiculousness, but Danny DeVito's always had a really good, good uh, ear or eye, I guess, for what is bull and, and ramping in the right uh, rhythm. Art. Oh, what? <laughs> that was such a beautiful. But man, no, seriously, yeah, again, like the part with the dog, I'm like, he couldn't have killed it. She did, thankfully, she did just change his eye and she tricked him. And yeah, no, all out hell. I mean, and you can definitely tell, like, the kids' reaction. Uh, both their children, like, I think was definitely a very grounded and real thing, especially when Sean Aston's like, you know, admitting to his dad, he's like, dude, you're an asshole. You know, regarding, like, the things he's done between him and his mom. Yeah. And thankfully, them getting out of the house, like, was what needed to happen. Yeah, and that, uh, I, think a... I saw this at the drive-in. I cannot tell you what the other movie was in Bugging Man. I'll remember. But um, this was not a fast hit. It was one that kind of stuck around for a long time. I think we saw this the very first the drive-in open with Spring Break, like a March. This movie came out in December, so it stuck around for a while. Wow. Yeah, these days, you know, it's already been on video for like a month. <laughs> they come out so fast now. <laughs> no, I'm, I, I, shit. I mean, that just goes to show, like, when it's, like, when movies, you stay in the theater for, like, past three months, and it's like, wow, this is still, this is still great. Keep it going. God, I, for life, man, I cannot remember what the hell I saw. It's going to bother me, but I, um, I remember after that we saw... Jetsons and Back to the Future 3 together. So cause it ha it, the way it was at the drive-in that we uh, went to was there's always a double bill from the same company. Uh, I'll remember one day. But um, what is our next film? Okay, this one was definitely a pluck at the heartstring. Uh, uh, Richard Dreyfuss, uh, Spielberg magic. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, always. Now, I've seen... I remember when Jurassic Park came out, I had a magazine that did, like, a summation of all his films up to that point and their reviews of them. They said that uh, Always was a C-, minus, that it was his worst film. And so I never bothered to get around to watching, even though my parents owned it on VHS. I never got around to watching it. So this is the first time watch for me, and I think... Almost everything works, except for the guy, and I can't remember. No one because he doesn't know his name. The good-looking guy, younger guy that comes. He Brad was Johnson. That's Brad that. Johnson. Um, I don't think he. Works. Everything else is phenomenal. I think Holly Hunter. This might be my favorite performance, even more than Raising Arizona. She's so damn good. Absolutely, that's what I want to uh, say about this. Like her performance was just so well, you know, driving this movie. I mean, after Richard Dreyfuss dies, he's coming back as a spirit. You know, especially regarding unfinished business, regarding uh, Holly Hunter. Like, those two were dating, they were in love. But, you know, him being a, uh, a firefighter pilot, you know, assisting all the ones on the ground, you know, guide, helping guide the... What kind of planes were those again? I can't, I can't remember what they were. Well, through. it's the ones that pick up the water or the mud. They have It's like a red spray. The, and the retardant chemical. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a weird mud clay uh, retardant thing that... And they go over fires and they clear paths for the firefighters that are stuck. Um, so like if, you know, the fire ends up coming around and surrounding the firefighters and they have no way out, those planes come in and they wash down a path so they can get out. But something goes horrible because he has to get so low in order for it to hit right um, that he his plane catches on fire and it explodes, which is horrifying. And this really does happen. Yes, it can. It's an insanely dangerous profession. It's, uh, I think it's based on, a, if I remember, it's a remake of an old film like Only Angels Have Wayne. But, mm. um, and of course, he's dead for most of the movie, so sorry, I should. Um, but it's, it's him trying to communicate across whatever plane he's in to them. 
not only to save Brad Johnson's character, but try to mend Holly Hunter's heart and tell John Goodman, who's his best friend, that everything's going to be okay. And it's a really strong character, but there is there's some funny moments in there. Uh, I, I think a lot of it really works, but I just think Brad Johnson. Oh yeah, no, definitely. I didn't really care for Brad Johnson. I mean, hell, even his character was <laughs> like you know, the way he was picking up a girl at the bar. Yeah, but but his his head being so empty, Richard Dreyfus communicates through it. Yeah, uh, Holly Hunter and Richard Dreyfus would team up again like a year later in a movie called Once Around, which I've heard great things about, but I've never seen it. But now I'm curious. yeah, that's definitely so, that's something I'll have to look into because I always enjoy watching Richard Dreyfus. Is it funny how many movies slip through the cracks through the years? I mean, if I remember correctly, even Once Around made some money. It did well, but uh, no one has ever talked about this movie, and and always I think is only talked about because it, of of Spielberg, you know, because. Um, without him, I don't. I think this would kind of disappear as well. Oh yeah, no, of course. I mean, Spielberg, like you know, getting his name up there from his previous films. But again, you saying that he thought this was a C minus and he wasn't happy with yeah. it. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. Know. He didn't read it. The magazine, I think it was Starlog, that had read. And oh. but this is the one that kind of saved Richard Dreyfuss's career because he had signed a deal with Touchstone Pictures when they initially launched. And he had done Down and Out, Beverly Hills, and Stakeout, and those were huge hits. And they wanted to re-up their deal, but they didn't want to pay him a huge amount of money, which is weird because... But they were a small studio, though. They couldn't afford it yet. This is when Disney was in dire straits, ready to go bankrupt. But Paramount offered him a much bigger deal, but he signed on to make some mediocre films that did not do well. Moon Over Parador um, is not good, and that made no money. And then Let It Ride barely got released, even though I think it's a pretty good movie. And then Always comes out, and that basically held him up until... What about bob what a year later year and a half later and that was a oh wow but he's always had a lot of good uh supporting uh he's always had some good supporting roles throughout the year yeah it's just Hell. lately it's been kind of a been kind of questionable because i mean and it happens with a lot of older actors the work dries up or they are too tired to you know helm or handle a whole film so just take up you know a day pay kind of move and i think that's what he's kind of on right now Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, the last things I've seen him in were Red, and he also voiced the little bear in AI. He was, uh, that's a long time ago. Red was like a decade ago. I just saw him in some movie with, uh, who's the lady who got fired from Mandalorian? Oh, Gina Carano. Gina Carano. Oh. She had a she had a movie called like Sister of the Wolf or Daughter of the Wolf that he's a bad guy in. It's clear that he only shows up for like two days. <laughs> yeah, good. I wouldn't want to be around her either. <laughs> um, what is our next film? Okay, uh, this next one, uh, Uncle Buck. Oh God, we almost did this years ago when we did our John Candy special. Uh, still one of our most. Actually, I think it is our most popular episode ever. Um. But we could only choose four films, and we wanted to. See, we were going to do another set of four films, but we decided just this pattern instead. So Uncle Buck, I think, with the exception of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, is his best film, but it's his best solo. It was mainly him. Him and John Hughes, of course. You know, John Hughes directing this movie. Yeah. But his performance, his timing, his comedy, and progresses with that character. Like it, it was just so beautifully done. It's it's and the funny thing is they surround him with fresh faces. You know, people you really had never seen before, and honestly, most of them again. But the revelation of Macaulay Culkin, holy shit, that uh, that conversation that he has at the table, instantly you know that kid's a star. <laughs> you have a lot more nose hairs than my dad, <laughs> that duly noted. Yeah, <laughs> just like how quick-paced it was, yeah. just like going, bouncing off each other like it was nothing. Like you asked a lot of questions, I'm a kid, it's my job. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, saw this one course, in the theaters as well. Oh yeah, no, this is just an all-around, wholehearted, beautiful film. And then Gabby Hoffman as well. Yeah. But she doesn't have that shiny moment. She's just good. And, and same thing for, I can't remember who the daughter is, but I didn't know that she was the girl that would show up in uh, Mr. Holland's Opus later. She's also oh, uh, the star of Yes, Dear. If anybody remembers that, it was on for like six Yes, Dear. Oh. It's one of those CBS shows that like old people watch all the time. But um, 
Also in this is uh, Jay Underwood being a sleazy boyfriend who most people will probably know from uh, The Boy Who Could... Oh, yes, God, I want to punch that guy. I wanted to punch his character in the face so bad he looked like one of those pretentious little, you know, cool, like one of those hipsters of the 80s. Yeah. It just his like... hair. And uh, I know I'm pretty sure that's a wig (laughs) because at the at the time that he was doing this, he was doing a beloved uh, series of films for the Disney uh, movie of the week or whatever we call it on ABC called Not Quite Human. Have you ever heard of this? No. Alan Thicke. I haven't seen him in forever. Alan Thicke, I remember, I think lost his wife. And so he couldn't have any more children, but he always wanted a boy. He has a daughter, but he always wanted a boy. So he builds a cybernetic boy. And it's kind of like their adventures together. There's three films, and his hair is super short in that. And I know that he was filming one of them at the same time he was Uncle Buck. So I'm almost certain it's a wig because for most of the movie, he is wearing that hat. So you can't tell it. Oh, okay. He almost played Always Nice, Nice uh, Kids. He was the original Johnny Storm in that Roger Corman film that technically never got released. Holy shit. Roger Corman film. Did you not know this? There's a Fantastic Four from 1994. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, the live action, but I didn't know it was Roger. Yeah, he, well, here's the thing is Roger Corman, this happened quite a bit actually. His company would get paid by other companies to make movies for them because wow. he was known for being very efficient with a dollar. So someone said, hey, we'll make this for a million dollars, not knowing just going to toss it away. They did the same thing with a series of movies uh, from Dean's called Watchers. Uh, another company hired, for, and it happened all the time. Roger Corman was a good gun for hire. Now that wow. dude. Oh, God, hit it. Pretty sure that was Laura Metcalf hitting on John Candy. In, uh, oh, Overwatch. from Roseanne, Laura. Laura Metcalf. Thank you, Laura Metcalf. Yes, uh, very funny in this. I think Amy Madigan is gold in this. And it's so funny how close this was to Field of Dreams and how wildly different her character. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's another thing. Yeah, Gabby Hoffman was in Field of Dreams as well. Oh, Always you're said. right. I forgot about that. Dang. Huh. <laughs> I think well just like brought him along. One of the funniest bits in this, besides the interrogation, is the one where they're in the bowling alley and the, the sleazy guy is coming up to her and he has that toothpick in his mouth and he keeps rolling around all hot and it gets stuck. <laughs> and between yeah. his teeth and the roof of his mouth, he's like, <laughs> and tries to maintain his cool. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, no. Another one of my favorite bits is when Uncle Buck, like, he's trying to track down Tia, his niece, the oldest one at a party oh yeah and he walks into the boyfriend with a girl and like regardless of who it would have been i'm yeah. so glad he wasn't done with him okay you're coming with me and then later on after he finds tia all of a sudden boom he's in there all tied up and gagged it's like the perfect vengeance i'm like okay that's uncle of the year yeah and the, and he's the got year. the drill doesn't he hit something at him like a baseball i can't remember there was something yeah i want to say it was a can or it was a base. I think it was a baseball. You're right. Yeah, or something like that. But there's like a whole in the thing with the hey, 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 and I wear his skin as a mask. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> oh yeah, the little horror story. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> there, when he tries to use the little boy's bathroom, <laughs> <laughs> followed up by the in the the angry conversation he has with the principal. He goes, "She's a silly girl. She's a dreamer. He's six. <laughs> here's a quarter go downtown and find a rat to gnaw that thing off your face <laughs> no oh my god yeah I mean yeah he's definitely like what you tell Uncle Buck has for sure but interacting he definitely changes for the better especially yeah. with his gambling and, and like great and they tried twice to make this a TV series and neither time was successful but it's a good concept I don't think a sequel would work because it's more domestic kind of fish out of water it doesn't really work as a sequel most comedy sequels don't work um especially when they, especially when they're not like plot driven so I think it was right to turn to a TV show and I just don't know why yeah no I couldn't either but it's like it's just hard to you know cap over um 
or even top or even mask like what John Candy did. Right. Well, plus John Hughes was never involved in series, so it doesn't have his heart. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, what is our next film? Is that we have more, right? I can't. Be we there. have one more, I believe. What oh, is no, that? We do have one more. This is it. No, this is the best for last kind of thing. Personally, for me, uh, this is, of course, when Harry met Sally. I've never seen this movie before. Really? I just know of that particular scene. No. And I just loved every bit of it, especially regarding, oh God, the chemistry between Meg Ryan and Billy Crystal is yes. just so on point. I, I, as much as I love You've Got Mail, this is the best romantic comedy ever made. I really do not believe they'll top it because it's more than just the jokes. It's how they bounce off the playing. Somehow it's a farce and yet still serious. There's a lot so, of good exactly. drama. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know how they were so perfect. So grounded. Yeah. I know. Oh, God. And Carrie Fisher again? <laughs> supporting a good supporting actress. Oh, God. It's funny how their mutual friends ended up hooking each other up instead of them trying to set right, each other right. up. Right, right. Yeah, and this and is it, uh, kind of Bruno Kirby's short-lived, uh, hey, it's that guy kind of thing, because he did this, The Freshman, uh, City Slickers, and I think after that he got really sick. He kind of... That scene where they end up sleeping with each other. Um, I just love how they're both called friends. I'm like, they're married. They're going to have each other. This is how this shit works. <laughs> the only th problem I have with it, and of course it's 1989, so times are different, but this whole, and I grew up in a small town, a heavy Christian, and they expect you, you know, certain things, the, the opposite sex, and what bothers me is that this movie treats it like it's not okay to have open relationship, just casually, it has to, like, you're rotten, and it doesn't, you don't become, and that bothered me, but of course 1989 like, oh. is different than 2021. Exactly, yeah, oh god, yeah. Everybody gets slept shamed for everything, yeah. even when you're single. It's like, so what? I'm single, they're single. It's okay. Yeah. As long as you practice sex. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hey, come on, man. Mm, get with the times. Yeah. Come on. I mean, everybody slutted around like in prehistoric times. But of yeah. course, since they were, you know, holier-than-thou leaders. Yeah, well, also the 80s. Look at the difference between the 70s and up to like 83 and then uh, the uh, 80s, early 90s. You, America got taken over by Reagan, not uh, not Reaganomics, but the Reagan, the new Republican, new Christian. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you see it all over. Like, watch the first Blood, well, the original Rambo movie, First Blood. And the tone that is set there, and then three years later, when Reagan era madness had come in, and Cold War, uh, Cold War had been reignited, and look at Rambo two, two wildly different movies. One is uh, really heartfelt. Yes, it has lots of action and violence in it, but there's a underlying need of how we've met, uh, our soldiers from Vietnam, and it's more impensive. And the sequel is like, rah, rah, big shots and huge score and let's blow up the foreigners kind of bullshit. <laughs> I don't know what you just said and I'm scared. Mega action, my Oh, man. mega action. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, you see, it's in a lot of those time periods. But um, to go over the movies that uh, we didn't get to cover, uh, sadly, I didn't get to see No Evil and Hear No Evil until after I stopped getting the internet, so I can't watch it. You could. Uh, I just added it to Voodoo. Um, uh The Package with Gene Hackman, which is the best dad action movie ever, but I couldn't find it for you to watch. I have it on Blu-ray. Uh, Damn who's, it. Look Who's Talking, I couldn't find. Uh, I mean, that's a huge, I just couldn't find. Um, and then smaller movies like Second Sight, uh, worth winning. I, I remember liking as a kid. Second Sight is a paranormal film with 
Bronson Pinchot and John Larroquette. Um, and then worth winning is uh, Mark Harmon is put up to a bet with one of his friends that he can engage to him in a short period of time. And if he gets it, he'll win like $10 million or something like that. And uh, of course, like most of these moves, probably wrong. And then he realizes he really loves. Uh, oh, and uh, Tango and Cash is just too. It's fun, <laughs> but it's too ridiculous. I decided to cut that. And uh, I forgot to get a little made. I apologize to the movies we didn't get for 1989. But look, there's only so much time in the world. Exactly. And so many movies we can discuss at a time. It's just too much. <laughs> All right. Uh, 1990, just to give you kind of an idea of what we're going to be covering, discuss quite a bit. Um, oh, what were they? There's Memphis Bell, which is an absolute have to. Memphis Bell might be the best movie in my head. Absolutely. Uh, Air America, My Blue Heaven, Quick Change, Crazy People, Bird on a Wire. I mean, those are those are hand movies I can just think of off the top of my head. That we, but uh, I oh. love you to death. I love you to death is absolutely phenomenal. Total Recall, Gremlins two, Dick, Gremlins two, yes. one. Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy. Um, but yeah, Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles, absolutely. You were, you have a better memory for sure. Well, I fucking love these. Yeah. When they came out, oh, that's why. So <laughs> that gives you an idea. And if we have any spare time during the holidays, uh, which we don't, um, we have some mini sods that we're lining up. Where for like twenty to thirty minutes, we're going to discuss uh, two bands. We'll choose. Uh, hopefully, you know, similar kind of sound. And he and I will choose the perfect concert playlist and a hypothetical idea of what if you could have Queen come back, do a, a concert, you get the choice of 10 songs and an encore. How would you program if you could give them a set list? Like, here, you know, these are the 11 songs that I choose for you to play, and you can just pick them randomly, or if you have an idea, like, the concert should start with this song, then go to this, 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 and end with this, and then come back for an encore, that kind of con. I know there's so many to cover, but those are easy to do because most of them we know off the top of our head, we can make the list, and it doesn't take a lot of work, but uh, we have Bowie, we have Queen, we have Elton John, Talking Heads, U2, Fleetwood Mac, and who knows what else we can come up with. Um, but that's kind of what we're going to really heavy, heavy part of our job. A lot of time to watch. Oh, man. Uh, ready to explore the thought of that place. Yeah. Damn it. I, right now, a friend of mine and I are working on the, uh, the, this is like a Supernova concert where if you could get Black Sabbath, Ozzy, and Dio all to perform together. So it's like five songs with uh, Ozzy, five songs with Dio, then five songs with Black Sabbath with Dio, and then five songs with Black Sabbath and Ozzy. And how would you do that? Same thing with Van Halen, you know, Sammy and Dave, and then uh, the songs of Van Halen with either one of those. Yeah, as long as they don't try to kill each other. Yeah. <laughs> there's so many I'm thinking of, like Prince and Michael Jackson, Lee Joel, Cars. Mm. So yeah, there's a lot to cover. Oh my God. But those, those episodes are super easy and we get to do, there's not a lot. Right. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so uh, I apologize. I have to go to the bathroom terribly. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm cramping up, so I gotta go. We're done anyway with the episode, so uh, it'll be a brief pause while we go and work on the 1990 episode. So, Jacob, thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. No right. problem. I'm off to uh, my office to do some paperwork. I gotta go download some software. <laughs> <laughs> you do your thing, kid. You do your thing. All right, so we're a hit uh, rewind podcast. So uh, subscribe, share, give us comments of what you think we should cover in the '90s, and that's it. All right, namaste. Good luck, my friends. Namaste, and be excellent to each other.